Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and we're reading from the Amplified Bible, and it should go up here on the screen. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles or your device or whatever. And I would encourage you, if you have the app, the notes for this are right there. You can And you can add your own notes as well. So I would encourage you to do that. So let's read this. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible. Uh, everyone read with me. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, cause it to do something to us today. God, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we study your word. Help us to be different than what we were when we came in. Help us be better, God. Lord, not not that we're trying so hard, but that, Heavenly Father, your grace and your Holy Spirit is forming us and conforming us into your image, that your love is imminent in our lives and that your grace is flowing through our lives and that your truth is flowing through our lives, God, and that we love you with all of our heart and we love people with all of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking fine today. So I love this passage of Scripture. And just break it down just a moment. It says, just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent and ability. Now this is... This is the Apostle Peter talking to the church. These are people who are believers. These are people who love God, who have made a commitment to follow God. God has come into their life and changed them, and this is who he's speaking to. So he says, just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it, or in other words, use it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. So here's what he's saying. He's saying God has given you gifts. He's given you strengths. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. Now use it. But I want you to notice how he says to use it, and it's always important for us to notice this. We don't just want to notice what God says. We want to know why he says it, and we also want to know what he's saying. In other words, what is he meaning for us when he says something? Not just, hey, he said this, it's a good thing to say, it's a good thing to consider. No, what is he trying to get to happen here? And so what he's saying is, I've given you these gifts, I've given you this grace, I've given you this this, uh, ministry of the Spirit. Now, what you should do is use it, but he says specifically, use it to serve one another. And I think it's something that we should consider. So I want us to consider that thought as we coalesce that thought around the idea that generous is as generous does. So I want to scripture to you, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, verse 1 through 5 in the Amplified. And it says this, Now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the grace of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia, awakening in them a longing to contribute. 
For during an ordeal of severe distress, their abundant joy and their deep poverty together overflowed in the wealth of their lavish generosity. That whole sentence sounds crazy if you think about it, but watch. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily, begging us insistently for the privilege of participating in the service for the support of the saints in Jerusalem. Now, what was going on in Jerusalem is there was persecution and impoverishment and so they were starving. So these other places, these churches in other places were receiving offerings to send to Jerusalem to make sure that the saints there were taken care of. Not only did they give materially as we had hoped, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his representatives by the will of God, disregarding their personal interests and giving as much as they possibly could. Now, we're going to talk about this and break that down, but I just want you to get this image here. The church in Jerusalem is suffering. They're poor. They don't have food. They need help. And there are churches around that are trying to help them by sending money through the apostles back to Jerusalem. And this church, the churches of Macedonia, which involves several, but they were also struggling. And they had gone through severe economic hardship. But they were so filled with generosity, so filled with the love of God, that they did more than they could possibly do, went above and beyond, not because they were compelled to, not because someone manipulated them to, not because someone told them, I'll send you a bag of something from somewhere to make you feel better. It was just because the Holy Spirit in them said, do more than what you can do. And their generosity expanded to the point that was shocking to the apostles and met the need of the churches in Jerusalem. Because generosity is as generosity does. Listen, when we're truly generous, we're not. There's something that was said here that we need to understand. We're not just giving material things. That's not necessarily generosity. It's not just giving money to people. But he said that what they gave was themselves. What they gave was themselves. And that is what we're going to talk about today. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, the Amplified Bible says this. What's the benefit my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence, can that kind of faith save him? No. A mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing and lacks enough food for each day, and one of you says to them, go in peace with my blessing, keep warm and feed yourselves, but he does not give him the necessities for the body, what good does that do? So too, faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. Now, I think, I think as we read this, we think to ourselves, yeah, I get it, but do we live it? And see, this is the challenge for Christians. This is the challenge for people who really believe the Word of God. Do we get it, but do we live it? And are, do we have a generous heart like 
God had a generous heart. See, it's, it's great for me to say, hey, I'll pray for you, brother. But if I have means to help someone, I should help them. Right? I mean, if you've got a widow woman living next to you that doesn't have the capability of mowing her own yard, you shouldn't say, hey, ma'am, I'm going to be praying that your yard will get mowed. Hello. You, you say, hey, I'm going to take care of your yard for you. You hear what I'm saying? Just to put it in practical terms. We don't just say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. We as Christians, we're so guilty of doing this, aren't we? As a matter of fact, it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that. How many times do we say, uh, somebody says, I'm going through this or I'm struggling with that, and we say, I'll pray for you. Can I just give you a little piece of advice as your pastor? Just pray for him right then. Are you hearing me? Just stop what you're doing right then and say, you know, I've never had anybody turn me down for prayer. Even if they didn't agree with me or didn't like Jesus or whatever. But anytime I've ever asked anybody, can I pray for you? I've never had anybody say, no, don't pray for me. I've even had atheists that don't believe in God. If I say, hey, can I pray for you? They, they, they will not. Yeah, go ahead if that's what you want to do. Okay, <laughs> I will. You see, but what we do a lot of times is we, it's out of sight, out of mind. And we say we're going to do something. But then we, we, we're trying to be religious or we're trying to feel good about ourselves or we're trying to make them feel better about their situation. But generosity is as generosity does. And so I'm not just giving some material thing here. I'm giving myself to this situation. This is another reason why we talk about having margin in your life. Not just financial margin, but a, a time margin where you're not so busy and so wrapped up with life that if someone needs you, you can't help them. Sometimes there are people that need us and we don't know it simply because we're not, we can't slow down enough to even see them. There are people that you work with every day that are hurting and going through trouble and difficulties, but you don't see them because you're so busy with everything that you don't notice or recognize they're there. I'm challenging all of us to lift our generosity to a does position instead of a, 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 a thinking position. Let's get out of the world of theory as it pertains to generosity and get into the world of practice as it pertains to the, world, the generosity. Hey, everybody say amen with me. I just want to make sure we're not in a library. I just heard about something the other day that was, I don't know if you heard about this or know about this, but a very, very influential and wonderful man uh, passed away this last week, Dr. Charles Stanley, who I've read so many of his books and listened to so many of his messages and such a great teacher of the Word of God. But he passed away. He was 90. He lived a good, full life. Man, what a... What a, what a man he was. But uh, indicative of who he was. Now listen, this guy, he pastored megachurch before megachurches were megachurches. Do you know, understand? I mean, he was influencing thousands. He had this TV, television program and just influencing the whole world. And this guy was just such a great teacher of the word and just a good man. And, and um, I was reading some different thoughts about him after he had died. People were posting different things. And I heard a story that just, I thought, yep, that's, that makes sense that he would do that. So there was a pastor that in his area in Georgia that had a fire, a fire in their church. And his office, his, his office got burned up. He lost every single book that he had. All of his preaching Bibles, all of it. Now, you have to understand, 
if you're talking about a pastor here, you might as well yank his arm off. I mean, that is what it's like to lose all that. And Because it, it's not just about the information in them. It's, you know, a lot of books that a pastor has are books that were given to him or that have some kind of meaning or spoke some revelation to him that really changed his life or whatever. And, and, and it's, it's like if you were to, you know, steal an, uh, any kind of academian's uh, library. It was just burned. It was just gone. And he said a few weeks later, after it happened, he got started getting boxes. A UPS driver came and just started taking box after box after box out of his, out of his uh, a truck and bringing it up to his porch. And he said, what is this? And so he opened up the first box, and in the first book, it was a book. It was one of Charles Stanley's books that he had written, and it was a book, and there was a card in it that said, hey, I heard about what happened. And I just wanted to restart your library for you. And he sent him every piece of material he'd ever created and gave it to him and started his library over. See, he didn't know him. He was never connected to him. He didn't, they didn't go to conferences together. They weren't in some kind of connection in any way. He had just heard that this happened and he just said, I'm going to do something about this. And I know that may not sound like a big deal to you, but I guarantee it was a big deal to that preacher. That's right. That's right. Out of the mouth of babes. There's a better amen than any I've heard all day. All day. So, I remember a time that Janae and I were, we were in a bad situation. Um, I had gotten us in a position that wasn't, favorable and we had been pastoring a church as we were very young we were we were we were like 22 and we were lead pastoring a church which is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard but I'm not saying young people aren't great but let me just tell you I experienced that and it wasn't good for them and it wasn't good for us it was a bad deal and uh we 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 did our best and we did see some good things happen at that church and when we left uh, we just felt like it was time to go, and we took another position at another church. And this church was a great church, and it was an opportunity, honestly, for us to rest. And we had had really a hard three and a half years, and it was a struggle, and we were feeling down and low. And a pastor friend of mine said, hey, listen, I'm needing some more young people in my church. Would you come and just work as kind of an associate and a young adult pastor and just come and help us out? And so we did that. And it was so easy because I got to do all the things I just love to do and enjoy to do, but... The problem was at the end of the year, the budget just wouldn't take it. And so the pastor came. We had this board meeting, and he was like, I'm going to take a, a pay cut so you can stay. And I'm like, no, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I'm like, Mm-mm, that's not going to happen. We're going to find something else to do. Now, I didn't talk to God before I said that. And uh, it's always a good thing to pray before you make a major move. And there was an opportunity to plant a church and I prayed myself into believing that God told me to do it. Now, after it happened, I realized God blessed me when I did it, but he was not the one who told me to do it. I was the one who told me to do it. So it became a bit of a wilderness. And in the middle of this, we were planting this church, so I was working a secular job and pastoring a church, which if you don't know what that means, it means you're working two full-time jobs. And in the middle of this, we were struggling to make ends meet anyway, and all of a sudden, the, the secular job or the non-church job that I had, just my, my uh, position just got cut. We're doing away with that department, 
We don't need you anymore. Now, we struggled so bad that we had creditors calling us. We had people wanting to us to, you know, calling our debt in and you've got to pay this. And, and every night we're having that happen. I'm, I've got a little baby, Taylor, at that time. She was like maybe, uh, maybe two or three, something like that. And, uh, you know, here I am, a young dad, a young pastor, just trying to make ends meet. And God, why, you know, what's going on? And, and, I, and I looked up in the cupboards, and this is not a cupboards, I'm showing my age. I looked up in the cabinets, and I, I saw that we had nothing. We had a little, like I opened, the, I opened the refrigerator, and we had a little bit of milk. And I looked up in the cabinets, and they were like a package of beans. Which, how many of y'all, y'all ever been on the bean? Yeah, come on. Come on. We used to eat them beans. You know what I'm saying? Fried potatoes and beans. And those fried potatoes probably came out of somebody's garden. But I was in this situation, and I was praying, God, why, why? What is going on? We, I need your help. I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm working. I'm doing everything I can. I was taking odd jobs. I was digging ditches. I was helping my uh, brother-in-law, who was an electrician, do just different uh, odd jobs. I was doing everything I could to bring money in the house, but we just couldn't. We just couldn't cover it. And, and here I am, thinking I'm doing the will of God, and and we're in this mess. And in the middle of all this, like the middle of all this, we were. I mean, I literally was in my room praying about this. I was in my room devastated about this. And all of a sudden, I got a phone call. Now, when I got this phone call, it was on something called a landline. Y'all know what that is? And uh, we're in the house, and I pick up the phone, and this was when, like, cell phones had just become a new thing, like people actually using them. They had been around for a while, but it was way too expensive for people to actually use them. But now it was becoming more economical, and I, and I, and I got this call, and as, as I picked up the phone, uh, a friend of mine was on the other line. His name is Roger, and uh, he said, hey, Dave, what's going on? And I said, man, uh, nothing. What are you doing? You know how you are with your friends. It's like, oh, it's all good, baby. What's up? I'm in there starving, you know. My kids are going to go without tomorrow. And I'm like, all good. Isn't it interesting how we won't tell people? And he said, hey, you know what? I was praying this morning. Now, he lived two and a half hours away from me. He said, I was praying this morning, and I just heard the Lord speak to me very clearly. David's in trouble. I want you to do this. He went to the store in a truck and like a, I don't even know how long it was, but a huge trailer. And he literally filled that thing up with, I still get, I still get emotional thinking about it. He filled it up with presents for Taylor for Christmas. He filled it up with groceries that would keep us for, I can't even tell you how long. The whole thing was filled with just groceries and presents and treats and I mean, just packed. And he said, hey, come to the door. And I went to the door and I opened it up. And I saw that out there and I'm telling you, I just fell to my knees. And I said, what is this? And he said, man, listen, I'm here for you. And I just want you to know that God can use us to change someone's circumstances and to change their life if we just listen and act. If we just understand we are the generous steward. If we'll understand 
You, 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 you don't own anything you have. Anything you have, God gave you. Are you hearing me? Anything you have is a blessing from God. He created all that exists. And if you have it, don't, don't use it all up on yourself. Come on, do, do something for somebody else. And again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just here to say give more to the church or give more to, if God tells you to do that, then do that. But I'm talking about opening your heart up wide and saying, God, just use me to take your things and steward them well with other people. And so today I just want to I want to talk to you to four principles that reveal the generosity is as generosity does. And 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 I'm going to use the acronym good. Everybody say generosity is good. So generosity is good. Generosity is good-hearted. Generosity is open-hearted. Generosity is open-handed and generosity is driven. I'm going to read it again. Generosity is good-hearted. Generosity is open-hearted. Generosity is open-handed. Generosity is driven. Listen, there's no more powerful force on this earth than a generous heart in the hands of God. I'm telling you, if we would stop screaming and yelling and being ugly and start being loving and kind and generous... To people's lives, they would see the Jesus in us and run to him instead of running away from him. Principle number one, generosity is good-hearted. And, and you know, we have this vision here at Summit Church, connect, grow, go. And this, 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 this principle, generosity is good-hearted, is a part of that connect. Because we want to connect with God intimately. We don't want to just know about God, we want to know God. And then we don't just want to connect with God. We also want to connect with each other in the family of God because God gave us each other to build and to strengthen. Generosity is good-hearted. It is significance instead of just success. In other words, it says, whatever God has blessed me with, I want to not just be successful. I want to be significant with it. Success is about me. Significance is about others. So God says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, so point number one, it's hot in Is it hot in here? Yes. Somebody help me out. I am burning up. I'm gonna y'all be generous and turn the air conditioner down. But we don't know. How are we supposed to know? It's hot one minute and cold the next. Raining, hell, and storm. We don't know what's happening around here. What's going on? It's the panhandle. Hallelujah. <laughs> How come all those were sarcastic? I heard sarcasm in that. It's significant to focus on others. It's successful. And there's nothing wrong with success. I'm not saying don't be successful. I'm just saying at some point we're going to realize that success does not satisfy. That success does not fulfill. But when we move outside of success into significance where it includes others, then now it's become generous and that's very significant and it's very satisfying and fulfilling. We should use our gifts, talents, and resources to build the kingdom to help others. This is where fulfillment comes from. And it's not just about helping others for the sake of helping others. I know a lot of people will get this false humility where like, I'm going to help somebody and not tell them who did it. Well, don't you want to know? Don't you want them to know that Jesus did it? I mean, you don't have to talk about yourself, but say, hey, Jesus, I'm saved and I know Jesus. And this is why I'm doing this for you. 
had a friend said one time, we're going to go to Cambodia, and we're just going to go from house to house or hut to hut, and we're, gonna, we're just going to put gift baskets on there, and we're not even going to tell them where it came from. They're just going to come out, and they're going to say, wow, look, look, somebody blessed us. And one of the missionaries said, no, you're not. They're going to think Buddha did it. You need to tell them the truth that Jesus loves you. And because he loves you, you love others. And because you love others, you express that love through generosity. When unfulfilled, external change no longer satisfies shifting your mindset to focus on others' will. That's the good-hearted part of being generous. Success is great, but it's you-centered. Significance is fulfilling, and it's other-centered. There was a man by the name of Cornelius. He was a leader of centurions over a regiment, which would have been 600 men. So he wasn't just a leader over 100. He was a leader over 600, which means he had major influence, and he was significantly wealthy. But at some point, we read in the book of Acts, that was no longer satisfying for him. That power structure didn't satisfy or fulfill him. That wealth didn't satisfy or fulfill him. And he began to seek for something more. And he believed in the God of the Jews. He believed in Jehovah. And so he began to pray to God and to give to the poor. And as he did this, he got God's attention. He was very successful, but his external success was not getting it done. So he gave. And he was generous and he prayed. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 verse 1 through 2. Now at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius. A centurion of what was known as the Italian regiment. A devout man and one who along with all of his household feared God. And he made many charitable donations to the Jewish people. And prayed to God always. So his generosity opened the door for the miraculous hand of God in his life. Because he's the man that God sent a vision to Peter about and said, Peter, I know you think you're only supposed to be preaching to Jews, but there's a man named Cornelius that's a Gentile that I want you to go to his house and I want you to preach the gospel to them. And that's exactly what happened. And the reason that he went there is because Cornelius' generous heart and his prayerful attitude opened this door. So, so we need to understand that generosity is good and it starts with a good-heartedness. Principle number two, generosity is open-hearted. Open-hearted. This is that grow part of our vision. It's that I know I need to grow. I know I need to be more. I need to open up. I need to allow God to do something in and through me. And and we want to have spiritual growth continually. I don't want to always be thinking about myself. I want to be thinking about others. I want to be carrying the message of Jesus to others. In other words, listen to this, listen to this. Generosity is open-hearted. Listen to this. You know what open-hearted means? (laughs) It means warm and kind. Let's just let that set in in our community right now. It means to be warm and kind. It doesn't mean to be hateful. It doesn't mean to be ugly. It doesn't mean to stand on your opinion so fully that no one else can be heard or no one else is as smart as you. It doesn't mean to... You know what the church, what we need to do in the culture that we live in right now? We need to understand what's more important. Do we want to make a point? Or do we want to make a difference? 
Now, I don't know what your situation is. I just know there's a lot of cultural things right now where everybody's going to war for some reason. Everybody's going to battle. And if we're going to go to battle, let's go to battle. Let's go fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. Let's create some division. Let's get mean. Let's get tough. Let's get, let's get strategic. Let's go after it. But let's go after who God said to go after. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at the devil. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, against uh, men and women. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of the darkness of this age. There are spirits behind hate. There are spirits behind division. There are spirits behind perversion. There are spirits behind confusion. And if we want to fight, let's fight them in the name of Jesus by the power of his word with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and, and, and having our feet shed with a preparation of the gospel of peace and a belt of truth around our waist and go to war with the enemy of our soul and stop fighting people and start loving people. Jesus loved people while he was hanging on the cross. Well, they said this and they said that. Who cares what they said? They killed him, killed him. And as he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't realize They don't realize. You cannot provide truth without generosity. And when I say generosity, I mean generosity of heart, an open heartedness. Start looking at the world through the filter of I belong to the kingdom of God, not looking at the world. And our Christianity through our particular politics. But let's look at the world through the politics of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. And how does God want me to conduct myself as a representative of him? Yes, I want to speak truth. Yes, I want to stand up for truth. Yes, I want to stick with the word of God no matter who likes it. But I want to do it in a way where people know Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Am I the only one that believes that this morning come on do we believe that well I don't want to accommodate and I don't want it's not that's not your job leave that with God you love everybody say love in other words it's warm and it's kind I heard about this couple that were in a restaurant and it was a new restaurant supposed to be so great and they went in and it was just horrible And because they had both been servers before, they took a look around. They observed. Instead of of just uh, um, making a judgment, they observed what was going on. And they realized that their server had 12 tables. And they were understaffed in the restaurant. It took them forever to get their appetizer, forever to get their drinks, forever to get their food. They were there a long time. And so instead of complaining and griping and moaning and groaning and whinging about it, you know what they did? On a $60 bill, they gave a $100 tip. And you know why? Because they understood what he was going through. And they showed him generosity. Let's get back to that place where the heart of Jesus is our heart. Where we're, <laughs> we're, 
I, don't, I was going to say something that probably wouldn't be accepted very well, so I'm not going to say it. I'll say it in a different way. Let's, let's ha- let, instead of having such a Western heart that's so complaining and griping and looking for problems, how about if we have a generous heart like Jesus and look for opportunities in the problems? Right? Well, my coworker's mad at me. Look for an opportunity to love them, to care for them. Do you know what I've come to realize? There's always a story. How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever been, you felt bad about yourself because you made a judgment and you're like, this is blah, 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 and I can't believe they're that way. And then somehow, some way, you hear their story and you're like, man, I'm a buffoon. Everyone has a story. There are reasons. Now, I'm not saying you don't take responsibility for your behavior. I'm not saying sin isn't sin. I'm not saying that there aren't problems in the world. But I'm just saying, listen, the heart of Jesus is the way we want to approach everything. The heart of Jesus is the way we want to approach sin. The heart of Jesus is the way we want to approach problems. The heart of Jesus is the way we want to get an understanding of cultural issues. Our worldview is a worldview of biblical centrality. We see things from a Bible perspective. I'm hearing a lot of opinions, not a lot of scripture though. And the scripture that I am seeing a lot of is clearly taken out of context on every side. Come on, guys. Let's get that spirit of Jesus back who when he was faced with a leper, people who were the most ostracized people in his culture that were made to live outside the city. They couldn't be with their families. They couldn't have their jobs. They had to go outside the city because what they had was contagious. And they shoved them out there. And they lived in little colonies together. And and, and when people would come by, they had to yell out, unclean unclean so people wouldn't come close to them because they didn't want to get the skin disease that they had and there was one time that Jesus was walking down a road outside outside of the city and when he was going in down this road a, a leper came to him and he said he said Jesus son of David have mercy on me I know that if you will you can make me whole and Jesus walked up to him and he said I will and healed him But do you know what the powerful part about Jesus healing him was? You know what it was? It wasn't just the healing. It was that Jesus walked up. Go read it. In the book of Mark, he walked up to him and he touched his face. I would imagine in that moment, everyone gasped. I would imagine that moment, everyone around him, the disciples included, went, I can't believe you just did that. Jesus reached over, touched him, cared for him, loved him. And then told him to go do what he needed to do to take care of it and go home and relive his life again. Listen, Jesus doesn't excuse problems. He doesn't excuse sin. Just like the woman that everybody says, look how he loved the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Yes, he he did love her. And he, he didn't allow them to stone her. And he didn't condemn her. But when he took that stand of love and compassion, at the end of it, he even extended his love a little bit more. And you know how he extended his love a little bit more? By telling her, look, this sinful life is destroying you. Go and live different. Go and don't sin anymore. Don't live that life of sin anymore. It's killing you. See, Jesus loves us. 
Let's have that mentality of I'm here to find out the story. I'm here to understand. I'm here to love. I'm here to care. Yeah, but somebody's got to save the culture. Jesus will save the culture if you'll shine his light into the culture. Stop taking on the culture as an entire culture and start discipling individual people who need love and need compassion and need the grace of Jesus so their life can be changed and they can get over the things that they're struggling with. Are you with me? The last principle is this. Principle, I mean, the third principle is this, and these will go very quickly. Generosity is open-handed. It just means to give freely. Let's read that text again. For during an ordeal of severe distress, their abundant joy and their deep poverty together overflowed in the wrath of their lavish generosity. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave, everyone say this word with me, voluntarily. They, 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 they weren't made to do it. They weren't sold a bill of goods to do it. They weren't televangelized to do it. Come on. They were just asked, we need help. And they were compelled by the Spirit of God to help. You would have thought they had no position to do that. Now listen, you would have thought they were poor. They had just gone through a severe economic failure themselves. Why would God even ask them? Because God doesn't want us looking at ourselves like victims. He wants us to look at ourselves like victors. And he gives us opportunity to change our situation by obeying his word. There was a widow at Zarephath. Elijah was running and on the run. And God was feeding him from a brook. Giving him water from a little creek. And, 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 and uh, crows were bringing him food. And the creek dried up and Elijah went back. And he said, I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a widow there. And I have, listen to this, I have commanded this widow to provide for you. So he gets to the widow's house, and what's that happening at the widow's house? She's about to bake a cake because she's running out of oil, and she's running out of the ingredients to bake a cake for her son. Like, not a cake, like we like sugar cake, but like a cornbread maybe. Maybe y'all understand cornbread. She's about to bake this cake for her and her son, and then they were going to die. Because that's all they had. So the prophet walks up and he says, hey, uh, God sent me here. And he said to tell you to feed me. And she said, sir, I want to honor that and I want to do that. But listen, all I got is this little bit of oil and this little bit of ingredients to make a cake for my son and me. And then we're going to die. And Elijah says, okay, okay, make me a cake first. And then make a cake for your son and you. Now, if I did that today, I would get run out of this town. But see, when God is doing something of generosity, He requires us to open our heart up. He requires us to have open hands. He requires us to freely and voluntarily do it. If we don't do it voluntarily, then there's no reason to do it. If we don't do it out of our heart, there's no reason to do it. So she says, okay, if that's what God said, I'll do it. And the Bible says that she made a cake for him and then for her and her son. And then she looked at the oil barrel and it was full. And until that drought was over, because of her generosity to the prophet, because of her generosity to the will of God, because of her generosity to what God said to do, and she opened her heart up and freely gave, what happened is God restored her barrel. He filled it up for the rest of the drought. He provided for her. No matter what was happening in the world around her, no matter what the circumstances, 
circumstances because of her open-handed generosity. She didn't have to do it. She did it. And it changed the whole situation. The fourth and last principle is this. Generosity is driven. Now, that doesn't sound right because I just talked about being open-hearted and good-hearted and open-handed. And those don't sound like very driven things. They sound very calm and compassionate. But see, here's the point. Generosity is driven by compassion. For during an ordeal of severe distress, let's read it again. Their abundant joy and their deep poverty together overflowed in the wealth of their lavish generosity. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave begging us insistently listen to that begging us insistently for the privilege of participating in the service listen here at Summit we have a drive to help foster kids here at Summit we have a drive to help the education system here at Summit we have a drive to help widows and orphans. Here at Summit we have a drive to be a resource and a source to people who are in need to people who are impoverished. It's why we do I Heart Canyon. It's why we do Adopt the School. It's why we do Foster Kids Ministry. It's why we do all of this. Why? Because we are driven by compassion. Our heart is generous. Our heart is open. We want to do what God wants us to do for people who have need and who need us. And so we we do all of this. We, we help the impoverished. We drive Uh, We're driven to help people in Africa. We're driven to help people in Asia. We're driven to help people right here in our community, right here in our region, right here in the world. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34 says, Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and healed them. Matthew 6, 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd waiting, and he was moved with compassion. Uh, uh, scripture in uh, John chapter 11 verse 33 says when Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews had come with her were sobbing he was deeply moved in his spirit to the point of anger and was troubled compassion drove Jesus to action compassion drove his generosity with himself and his heavenly father to be the resource to save our life John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life why should we be so generous because our Jesus is so generous when he's sat there in Gethsemane and prayed God if there's any other way let this cup pass from me but not my will your will. That was an act of generosity. I don't choose me. I choose them. Our drive to disciple those who are lost and far from God is the drive of the Holy Spirit being generous to humanity with compassion, love, mercy, and grace. Pastor, if we don't say this and we don't do this and we don't do that, then how are people going to know? They will know you are Christians by your love. Well, aren't we accommodating wrong behavior? No, it's not yours to accommodate. That's God's. That's God's job. God will change people when they need to be changed. When they come to him, he'll do the changing. How many of you can change somebody's soul? How many of you can change somebody's spirit? 
How many of you can regenerate somebody, cause them to be born again, cause their life to be made new? Anybody? No. So why are we trying to do God's job? Let's let God do His job, and let's do what He called us to do. Be generous, open-handed, open-hearted, good-hearted, and move driven with compassion. Do we stand for yes? Yes. We stand for truth? Yes. Do we stand for right? Yes. When we're called on it, we always have an answer because we are bibliocentric people. We stand with the Word of God, but we do it with a heart of open-handed, good-hearted, God-loving generosity. It says, I love God and I love people. And I, I believe that God wants to have a relationship with them. And I believe God loves them. And I was once one of them. Are you with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, please, please, please encourage us to be good people. To be generous people. Not on our own merit or in our own power. But under the unction of your Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. And Lord... When we need to stand up and speak truth in situations, then, Lord, give us the boldness to do it. But, Lord, when we do it, let us do it with a spirit of love and a spirit of compassion, not a spirit of agenda, not a spirit of secularism, not a spirit of opinion, but a spirit of your will and ways that, God, you will use us to save lives and change lives for all eternity. Help us to be generous stewards. Lord, so with our finances, with our material possessions, with ourselves, help us to be giving and generous. And help us to have some margin in our life so we can do so. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for His word. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.